With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Hey, how's it going, man? It's been a while. I am tired. <laughs> I, I was... I was... Uh, trying to figure out exactly how long it's been since I, I heard your voice. So I, I was looking at my calendar and I got to noticing the thing, the thing is really beat up. It, it's like a two year calendar. I've had it for a while. And, and, you know, the, the more I look at it, the more I'm thinking it's days are numbered. Can Donna who go ahead and just jump on this call for me this week? Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined this week by a very special guest. Guys, I really hope you appreciate this. He is not the easiest person in the world to book. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cam Matthews. What? Shake and bacon. He had to give us three weeks worth of what's shake and bacon on that one. Oh, Lordy! Had to get it out of my system, Daddy. <laughs> well, Woo! I want to hear the the golden tones of Cam Matthews as much as you guys do. But before we get to that, got to tell you about our sponsor for the week. Our sponsor is Colorcast. Colorcast is a live audio only sports talk platform that is free to download and use. You can talk to me, Cam, other fans, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news, all that kind of stuff. So all you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, join the group, follow me at Riley's Rakes to be notified when the room goes live. We will be going live on ColorCast every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. So come on, bring your friends, and bring your spiciest takes. Spicy! Spicy! Well, Mr. Cam. Hi, hello, yes, greetings, salutations. I've been talking a lot for the last two weeks, so um, I I need you to tell me about a 25 to 27 minute story uh, about where the hell you've been. Oh, boy. (laughs) Where have I been? Uh, So 
our, our, our dear, dear listeners know that for the past uh, year plus, I've been in the process of building a new house. Hey, we finally finished it. Woo! It's ready to go. Let's go. Yeah. So about a week and a half ago, we were finally able to close on our house. And then uh, a week ago this weekend, as we record this on Sunday night at 9.24 p.m., uh, we were able to begin the moving process. And boy, moving sucks. It's not fun. But yeah. but what I will say is that uh, moving into a new house is a tremendous thing. Um, if if anybody listening to this has ever has ever built a house before, you know just what kind of process this is. I mean, it, it literally took over a year start to finish from the time that we signed off on play. I mean, really, if you want to go back even further, you know, we, we did the entire deed transfer on the land and everything uh, probably closer to two years ago. But when you talk about when we signed off on the plans for the house to when we officially slept for the first night here, about a year and a month, about 13 months, it took for this entire process of just nothing but some blood, some sweat, and definitely some tears along the way of like, dear God, why did we choose to do this? Um, <laughs> but I, man, it is it is arguably the the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but honestly, the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. I mean, it's beyond like I'm, what I'm sure most people think when you say. I'm having a house built. Like you didn't just like sign paperwork and pick stuff out. And they like, you got your hands dirty and I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't know a lot of people who actually get their fingers in the dirt when they're building a house. Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing about that the thing about the house building building process is that in, in our case, so just just some backstory. The land that we were fortunate enough to to build our now home on is old family land that has been on my dad's side of the family for close to 150 years. We we've lived in our little neck of the woods here in North Carolina for literally since pre-Civil War. And we were fortunate enough to inherit a a piece of property that we were able to build a house on. Well, when this process started, when we signed the deed over and everything, it officially became landowners before anything else. It was just a piece of pine and vine ridden property that you could barely walk into, you know, back off the road, back into the woods, uh, you know, about a thousand feet off of the, the first public road. And that was our starting point. And, and from there, you know, we knew we had a lot of work to do. And so from there, you know, we were fortunate enough to know plenty of people who have the, the proper tools and equipment to be able to clear land and to, you know, to take down trees properly and, and to grade. And, um, you know, we've made the joke on here that I laid my own pipe. You know, we, we've made that joke several times. No one lays pipe like Cam Matthews. No one, daddy. Pipe laying master. Um, you know, we did all of that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got, I've got the trophy to prove it. Um, <laughs> but 
along the way, you know, there's so much to do that, you know, we did our absolute best to do as much as we could our, ourselves and out of pocket and everything. Um, and, and it's it's been well worth it. And I think that as part of what makes such a difference, you know, with, with the house that I'm sitting in now versus if we had signed some papers on a vacant lot somewhere and said, yep, we want our house right there. And then we just played the waiting game. Like this is something that, you know, I have, I have stepped foot on this piece of property almost every single day since we acquired it. And it's been, it's been an absolute laborious process and I've had plenty of help along the way. Shout out to friend of the show, Josh Goldberg, who has been a Goldberg, Goldberg, who has been a tremendous piece of help uh, to to me all, all along the way. But, you know, it's something that, it's what I've always wanted ever since I was a kid. I knew that this was a possibility for me to be able to plant a house right, right in the area that I grew up in. My- Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf builder, rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down. Okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. The house that I grew up in is literally, um, you know, I, I can walk there in, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Like that's how close we are to the house that I grew up in that my dad still lives in. You know, I'm, I'm next door to my sister who was fortunate enough to, same circumstances as me, build a house on a piece of family land. I'm right next door to both of my cousins that I grew up next door with. So, you know, it's this, it's just such an awesome thing that it was an incredible amount of work. But man, I tell you, we, we started the moving process last Saturday, a week ago today, Sunday morning. I always told myself that the very first morning I ever woke up in my new house, I would wake up, I would pour myself a cup of coffee, and I would go out onto my front porch and just take it in for about an hour. And that's what I did. And that is the greatest thing to me, that I was finally able to sit down on the front porch of a house that I oversaw being built, that I cleared the land on, that I, you know, I did A to Z everything to make happen, and that I finally got to sit down, cup of coffee in hand, and breathe it in. What? What a man Cam Matthews is. Uh, you know, I try. A real man's man. Well, you know. <laughs> but but seriously, it's been uh it's it's been something else to to kind of follow you along this journey. So, uh I don't <laughs> I, So so okay, so it, it does make me think of something. So, um a little a little background on on the relationship that Alex and I have. I remember a little over two years ago, right around the time we were starting this show, actually, we, we may have been running this show for a little while. One of the very first things that I was ever able to do on this piece of property was um, I, I'm, I live off of a little dirt road. And one thing that we needed to do first and foremost was get a driveway pipe put in and do the grading on the driveway. So you actually had a way to drive onto the lot. And so we got that knocked out, you know, in a couple of hours one night and, you know, Alex and I were chatting back and forth and I sent him a picture of it. And I was like, here's what I'm doing tonight. And he happened to get a glimpse 
of just the pure wooded area sitting right at this little driveway entrance. And he was like, wait, you're building your house in there? You mean you have to clear all that? I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I, one of I, us is the weird one, and I'm not sure if it's you or me. How, how do you mean? Like, what you just pulled off seems absolutely insane to me, and honestly, isn't something that would probably ever cross my mind as an option. I think that's probably a result of me having lived more so in and around big cities and you, you being in more of a rural area. But like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if the crazy person is the one that doesn't do that stuff or the one that does. <laughs> well, I tell you, there was a few times during this process that I absolutely believed we were the crazy people that <laughs> like there, there were quite, I can a few... recall several times where it, it, it turned you into crazy people for a, oh, a period God. of time. Well, you know, it wasn't so much the stuff that was within our control. Like, yeah, there were long days. There were hard and, and hot and nasty days out here on this little piece of Welcome sand. Welcome to Chatting Real Estate, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chatting Real Estate, by God. Um, you know, there there were a lot of days that, like, you know, I would go home in the evening and I would just say, good God, why am I getting myself into this? But ultimately, you knew that the work you were putting into it would, you know, would feasibly come into something physical right no the 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 frustrating process frustrating part in this entire process were the things out of your control like when you get a phone call uh you know a couple of weeks before your house is set to uh to really like come online and you get told yeah they just had a foot of snow uh, at the facility that your modular is being built it's going to be delayed a few days like getting that kind of like getting those kind of phone calls And, you know, getting told that, yeah, we're running a little behind. Yeah, we're waiting on this. The things that you have absolutely zero control over, that's the frustrating part of the house building process. Because, you know, you can work your fingers to the bone staying as ahead of the curve as you can on the things that you can control and the things that you can work on. Dude, I had water sitting on this lot ready to go six months before my house was even delivered. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that that's that's the thing is that, you know, there's a lot of hard work involved in it, but there's also a lot of hurry up and wait involved in it as well. Or you get a phone call, uh, you know, at nine o'clock on a Monday morning and say and they say, hey, uh, we got to have this inspection done tomorrow, but you need to talk to so and so about this and get this lined up because that's something you're responsible. Like stuff like that. Man, it's an ordeal. It is an absolute ordeal. So if there is anybody out there at all getting ready to or, or considering starting the house building process, first off, congratulations. But secondly, get ready to devote close to an entire year, if not longer, of your life to this entire thing, because that's really what it takes. But I tell you, it is absolutely worth it. I feel like I've devoted a year or more of my life to to your house being built. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you you and <laughs> you and Donahue and and Donna especially have seen quite a bit of this process all along the way. So the group I know you, chat of destiny, by the way, the, the group chat of destiny. Yes, uh, where uh, no man enters or leaves. It just is what it is. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, congratulations. 
thank you from me and and on behalf of uh of of jeff and donahue and everyone listening uh that is such a cool accomplishment like and and like i was i was super excited when i purchased my first house uh, about a year year and a half ago but I I won't look at it as as an accomplishment. What you did is truly an accomplishment. I tell you, it's it's the strangest thing, especially because like, you know, anybody that has I'm sure that has bought a house or or built a house or whatever, that even as you get even the day of, of your closing, especially like for me, my mind goes to the absolute worst things of like, like, okay, it's closing day. What if something goes wrong? Like. What if what if something has happened? What if something unexpected has happened? What if, you know, what if somebody overseas has like hacked all of my banking accounts and the mortgage company does a last minute check and doesn't like what, you know, like just stuff like that. You know, your mind goes to the absolute worst things because a house like a a literal. I mean, just just buying a house that was already built put me in absolute hell for like six, eight months. Right, right. So. It, it, it's such a strange thing, but then, um, you know, the, the title company that we were able to work with and everything as, as far as actually signing the closing papers to our house, it was really cool because they actually sent the the, the lawyer and, and the notary to our new house. We literally signed the papers of our new home on the island in our new kitchen. That was super cool. Yeah, that's pretty. But it, that's pretty cool stuff. But it, it was it was this weird thing of like all morning. I am so keyed up about doing this, and, and you know, finally finishing this process. And then I see them pull into our driveway, and then they walk into our house, and we say hello, and you know, we make all this small talk, and then all of a sudden, there's this huge stack of papers right in front of you, and they hand you a pen and say, "Okay, let's get started." And you have this like moment of clarity where. You haven't even finished signing everything, but you had this moment of clarity where you say, holy shit, we did it. Like, I remember my it. hand hurting from how many signatures I had to put. Oh, down. my God. <laughs> it's crazy. Let, let me, I've let never me signed so many things in my entire life. Dude, let me tell you. And especially because, like, you'd ask for your full name. And I don't know about you, but I never signed my middle name. So, like, by by the end of signing all of those papers my signature was just melting on paper. Like I'm not, I'm not sure if by page 70, it was actually legible. Now that you mention it. Yeah. I I discovered that I didn't know how to sign my middle name. No, because you never do it. My first name and my last name and the signature were like all pretty. And then my, my middle name looks like hieroglyphics in the middle. Right. Right. Like it's super weird that the mortgage and lender, like the lenders and, and the title company, have you signed your middle name? Because nobody ever signs their middle name ever. It's super <laughs> bizarre. And okay, so, so self-admittedly, I, I will admit that I did something kind of, kind of corny and cheesy, but I always told, uh, told my wife, Megan, that I would do this. So we sign off on the papers. Of course, the, you know, the later you walk the perimeter of the land naked. No, no, I didn't oh, do that. Okay. No, 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 I, I didn't do that. It's uh, your that, land. You can, I just, that, that, that was later that. That was later that night. um, So, and of course, then like the notary takes a picture of us, you know, fake signing the last page, all that, you know, all that fun stuff, do it for the gram and whatnot. And they leave. And so it's, then it's just my wife and I inside our house that we finally just signed off on. Like it is officially ours. And I always told her 
that when we got to the moment that we officially signed off on our house, I would pull up the song Welcome to My House by Flo Rida and play it. <laughs> and that I did. What, you couldn't, you didn't have any Pitbull on deck? You had to go Flo Rida? Open up the champagne! Pop! <laughs> oh, this is... This whole this whole story has kind of given me some perspective on on us and our our roles on the show. I've I've kind of discovered that I'm I'm the new school old guy and you're kind of the old school young guy. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's that's completely fair. You, so it's, you, uh, it's, you definitely stay up later than I do. <laughs> like as much as I as much as I joke about I st- you I, being I, an I still old don't guy, have a kid. That's fair. That's fair. I, I I'm telling you the the day that you have a child and you start going to bed when they do at night, you're done. It's over. You will never <laughs> stay up late again until they are probably out of the house. Life will because, forever change. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I'm staring at the clock. It's 9.40 p.m. and I'm already dreading the fact that we're not talking about Braves baseball yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cam, it's been a little while since you've had an outlet to truly talk. Oh, Lordy! Uh, so since you're the old school guy, what do you say we talk about some old school baseball? Let's do it. All right. Been a little while, folks. We're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is May 9th through the 15th. Our first fact comes to us from May 9th, 1987. Eddie Murray becomes the first major leaguer to hit home runs from both sides of the plate in consecutive games when he connects off of left-handed Bob James in the sixth inning of the Orioles' 9-6 victory over Chicago at Kaminsky Park. In yesterday's contest, the Baltimore first baseman also homered off southpaw Ray Surridge and righty Jose De Leon. Eddie Murray, I feel like, is... A bit underrated. I almost. completely agree. I was hoping like, that was direct the direction you were going to go with it. Yeah. So it, it it's so bizarre. So it, when you talk about switch hitters, I think obviously everybody always goes to Mickey Mantle first. Wait, we're not talking about stand up specials and and crazy colored leather shoots. <sighs> That's Eddie Murphy. Oh, honest mistake. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think when you talk about switch hitters, everybody always goes to Mickey Mantle first, and and rightfully so. And I think, I feel like in the modern era, you know, depending on somebody's age, they, they typically will go to Chipper Jones next. But there's, Eddie Murray is the guy right in between there, I think, that you, you can't overshadow how good of a player he really was. All right. Our next fact comes. (laughs) Is that it? That's all I got. Oh no. Sorry. I was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Give me me just one second to double back. Alex Butler, not a fan of Eddie man or of Eddie Murray. (laughs) You better leave this in you bastard. I mean, <laughs> what I said while my this, mic was muted. Look, it's allergy season, and I've been coughing my ass off. Sometimes I got to mute my mic. Sometimes I forget to turn it back on. Oh, 
Speaking okay, speaking of allergies. Uh, oh god. That's no. a segue? How is that a segue? No, it's a segue because <laughs> all right, so obviously I missed last week's episode uh because i was moving and whatnot and we were still getting settled into the new house but the week before last when you did your solo episode <laughs> we never said partially why i missed that episode <laughs> why did you miss that episode i had a double ear infection <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm a tr- i'm a 28 year old man and i got an ear infection <laughs> careful next week it's gonna be chicken pox jesus let me tell you <laughs> So need to take you a warm oatmeal bath. Oh God. So I, I took, so I, I got, I got the grass sewed on, on my, my new yard that weekend before. Right. And breathed in all manners of dust and dirt and probably mold uh, from the hay that we put down on top of the grass seed. So, you know, all that fun stuff. Woke up Sunday morning, Easter morning, felt like I had a sinus infection. And I said, well, that makes sense. Because I don't feel great. Uh, this isn't fun. No way. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, okay. We're trying to follow the timeline here. Woke up Easter morning, had a sinus infection. Didn't feel great. Still recorded the podcast that night. All week long. Feel terrible. Wake up Friday morning, cannot hear a thing out of my right ear. And I said, hmm, that's not good. So, <laughs> so I sent a message to my doctor and I'm like, Ayo, can't hear out of my right ear. And she said, hmm, that's interesting. Come in this afternoon. So I go into the doctor, and I knew I was in trouble when she looked into my right ear and immediately laughed. Oh, no. See, another. this is another thing that I think you get in rural areas that you don't get in, in more heavily populated areas. Yeah, I, like, I'm, out, I'm out here in the dirt, cuz. I've I, never like, once had a doctor that I could just, like, text on yeah. like at any given time and get a response like that's okay that's not even a thing i knew existed okay let's let's be fair i am emailing her through the patient portal sir <laughs> it's not like i have my doctor's like personal cell number and i'm just like hey what are you having for lunch today by the way i've got hey, the steve shit. you want to look at see? my ear real quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey doc i'm bleeding out my earlobes by the way did you see the price of gas it's ridiculous <laughs> oh man. so i go to the doctor friday afternoon she looks in my right ear immediately laughs and i look at her and i said i suppose that's not good is it and she says no it's not <laughs> and she said it's extremely rare but you have a double ear infection wow she was like she was like when's the last time you had an ear infection and i was like i don't know six seven years old maybe like it's been over 20 years and she's like well you got one and i said oh that's neat how did that happen and so she uh went on to explain to me that my sinuses became so clogged that all of that mucus had nowhere else to go so it started backfilling into my ear canal and started sitting on my eardrums which is very fun um what yeah (laughs) i've never heard of such a thing well you know your your sinus canals are all connected to like into like your ear canals like cam is so full of his own shit yeah you know coming out of his ears jesus my (laughs) eyes are brown folks so yeah so so, 
So, so come Sunday night, I texted Alex and I had a couple other things come up, but I texted Alex and I was like, I feel terrible. I have not slept in like three nights. My ears hurt. I don't think I can do the show. And he was like, okay, let's do it Monday night. And so I said, sure. Sounds like a plan. And then Monday afternoon, I get off work and I immediately realize that I close on my house in two days and I still have a ton of stuff to do at my old house in terms of packing. So I text Alex and I'm like, are you going to be mad at me if I don't do the show this week? (laughs) So that's how I ended up missing two weeks of the Chatting Average podcast. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So anyway... Eddie Murray was a heck of a, a heck. How of a about that, here. Eddie Murray, man? <laughs> Love Eddie Murray. <laughs> Someday, the all right. Our next fact. Our next fact <laughs> comes to us. <laughs> I told you this week's show was going to be fun. Uh, our next fact comes to us from May eleventh, nineteen thirty-two. Eighth grader Joe Schultz Jr. Singles, swipes two bases, and scores as a pinch hitter in a Texas League game. The 14-year-old is the son of man, the son of the manager and will become a second-string catcher in the major leagues. Alex, what was it like seeing one of your classmates play in the Texas League? Oh, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes a coach's kid anyway. They are the worst, aren't they? They're just the I, I, I'm positive I've said it on the show before, but a coach's kid is the reason I stopped playing baseball because I was because I was a catcher and I loved every second of playing catcher. And then I got to a team where the coach's kid was the catcher and I got stuck out in left field and I didn't like it as much. Yeah, the worst the worst coach's kid I remember playing with was this kid that like. Our head coach insisted he was the, and mind you, we're, I think this is like the nine, 10 year old league. So, you know, kids are pitching, not very good, but they're pitching. Um, But this coach insisted that his son was the quote unquote ace of this staff. And every time he would, his kid would get a start in a game, he would just shit the bed every single time and then this kid would cry when his dad would take him out of the game and it was just yeah it was always the worst (laughs) i swear all right our next fact comes to us from may 13th 1942 braves pitcher jim tobin en route to a six to five victory over the cubs becomes the first modern day pitcher to hit Three home runs in one game. What? Equaling the feat of Guy Hecker, who hit three inside the park round trippers, playing for Louisville in 1886. Ironsides Tobin, who pinch hit a homer in the eighth inning of yesterday's contest, would have hit five consecutive blasts if his first inning fly ball against the fence had gone out. Wow. When is when is Tobin bobblehead night? That's what I'm saying. Like we have, we have. They really pay. need to do more like like old old school player bobblehead Obscure, nights, like Rabbit Maraville or somebody yes. like that. Yes. Let me tell you, I would push a kid down to get a Rabbit Maraville bobblehead. <laughs> All right. And, I mean, in fairness, you'd push a kid down because for the fun of it. Well, I'm also a large man, so it probably wouldn't <laughs> even be intentional. It would just mean that he got in my way and I couldn't hit the brakes fast enough. Okay, Shouldn't have been standing there. 
I should have been standing there. You hit that guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our final fact comes to us from May 15th, 1997. In an 8-2 to win over San Diego, the Cubs score half of their runs when Brian McRae, Doug Glanville, and Sammy Sosa all triple in the bottom of the seventh inning off of Friar right-hander Tim Scott. Chicago third baseman Jose Hernandez also chips in with a run-producing three-bagger during the fourth inning of the Wrigley Field Contest. Three triples in one inning? Three triples in one inning. So let me ask you this. Let, let, let's put ourselves in the shoes of Padre fans here. If you are a Padre fan watching this game and you see three triples get rattled off in a single inning, Ugh. does your TV survive until the end of the game or have you thrown it out the window at this point? You know, if it were, if it were against the Yankees, if it were against the Red Sox, any other, any other team, I might say that would be the case. Padres fans, I think they call that a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair that's fair man i tell you okay let me ask you this would you rather see an inning where three triples get hit and let's say the cubs score let's say the cubs score two runs off of those three triples right like I, I, that's all they get two runs would you rather see two runs score off of three triples or would you rather see two runs get scored off of, I don't know, let's say six weak contact infield singles? Triples all day. That's, you rather I, see triples happen? I, I, I love chaotic baseball. That's fair. That's and, fair. And also, also be, before we move on. Um, I, I bring I up mean, the weak contact thing for a reason, because we're going to talk about it, <laughs> talking about one of these games this week. <sighs> Um, because I was actually home for this one and I almost lost it. I need to look up the clip of that inning because I need to know what has to happen for Sammy Sosa to hit a triple. Um, Sammy Sosa was a lot of things. Uh, fast was not really one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that had to be, that, that had to be a ball lost in the Ivy or something. Yeah. I'm sure we could find that clip. Although, I don't know how green the ivy is because as of right now, where the Cubs are playing the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball, which that game might be about over. I haven't checked. The ivy is not green yet. It's still pretty brown here in early May. I I went to the game this afternoon. Uh, We're recording on Sunday. I went to the Sunday day game, and I I had to wear a hoodie. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. It it, As of – well, as it stands right now, it is 48 degrees outside here in North Carolina. And this it didn't is, get a this is it didn't get above 55. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Really weird. Like I woke up this morning, like my sinus has felt all crap, and I'm probably gonna have an ear infection again later this week. But this weather needs to figure itself out. <laughs> anyway, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. But before we go on to our next segment, folks, I want to once again remind you to check out ColorCast. You know it, I know it. ColorCast is the way that Alex and I like to spend every single Wednesday night. Download the app, completely free to use on iOS and Android devices. All you have to do is sign up through your Twitter account, 
every Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m., either Alex or I, or even both of us every now and then, will be on the app chatting it up with all of you, our faithful listeners. We have a grand old time week in, week out, and we would love for you to be part of it as well. Completely free to use, free to download, and easy to use as well. So download the ColorCast app, come hang out with us on Wednesday nights, and bring us your spiciest takes. All right, we will be right back to take a look at what happened in the last week for the Braves and see what's ahead. All right, guys. I I I honestly don't think I have to say it this week. Because it's you been sure? a good are, week. Are, are you positive? It has been a good week for the Atlanta Braves, damn it. Ooh. I haven't gotten to say that a lot so far this season, but it has been a good week. So it's, unfortunately, we came into the week coming off a horrendous series loss to the Texas Rangers. Um, we've 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 lost and uh, and split some series that we had no business losing and splitting, but I think the Rangers one was probably the worst. But we talked about that last week. We went from the Rangers series to a series in Queens against the first place Mets with four games in three days. Started on Monday the 2nd, and we had a hell of a pitching matchup for that game. It was Max Freed against Chris Bassett. Mets took an early 2-0 lead on a... Uh, on a con- uh, How do you say his name, Cam? Canna? Con- I think so. Conha? Kanya? Con- Kanya! Canna. I don't know. What? Mets, Mets take an early 2-0 lead on the, uh, on the Canna homer. Uh, but Riley gets the Braves on the board with a solo homer in the second, his seventh of the season. Travis Darno manages to stay hot, collecting three RBIs from the sixth inning on in this game. Uh, Freed ended up going six innings, allowing only four hits and two earned runs. Didn't walk anybody. You've heard me say that a lot this season. Didn't walk <laughs> anybody and struck out six. Chris Bassett went seven innings, allowing six hits, three earned runs, one walk and eight strikeouts. Braves win five to two, stun the Mets at home when they are at their absolute hottest. So we go into Tuesday the third with a double header on the slate. The first game of the day is going to be Charlie Morton against David Peterson. Morton struggled early, which was concerning because we've seen him struggle early a lot this season. Allows four runs in the first two innings. But he managed to shake it off this time. Managed to shake it off and actually got through five and two-thirds innings, which is probably a big part of the reason that we were successful for the rest of the week. He, uh, Yeah, Charlie able to shake it off because the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. And the players... <sighs> anyway, okay, I'll stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah! I know you missed me! <laughs> Continue. Um, Matt Olson hit a, hit a homer in the fifth to make it four to five, but Edwin Diaz comes in for the Mets and slams the door on the Braves. The Mets win the first game of the doubleheader five to four. Come back shortly thereafter for game two with Kyle Wright taking the hill against Carlos Carrasco. Both pitchers were great in this game, but Kyle Wright faltered a little bit, allowing two runs in the first and a solo homer to Pete Alonso in the sixth. Wright went seven innings, scattered nine hits, three earned runs, walked one, and only struck out three. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco went eight innings, allowing six hits, no earned runs, walked two, and struck out five. 
The story of the day was pitching, and it did not go our way. The Mets win the second end of the doubleheader, three to nothing, and we are now behind, looking for a split in the series to take home with us. So we come back to Queens on Wednesday the 4th with Ian Anderson going up against Miguel. In the second inning, one of my favorite defensive plays of the season for the Braves so far, Guillermo Heredia runs (laughs) Jeff McNeil of a home run. This guy was like three feet above the fence when he jumped to get that ball, and that ball was gone, gone, and he brought it back in. Shortly after the play, they zoom in on McNeil's face, and he's just like, what the hell, man? It was a thing of beauty. Uh, So I'm at work that day, so I'm listening to I'm just listening to the radio feed at my desk, and Ben and Joe absolutely lost their mind over the Heredia play. It was fantastic. It really was. Tremendous. But yeah, the, the game ended up being a pretty tight pitcher's duel until the sixth inning. And then the Braves offense absolutely exploded, but not in a way that we're accustomed to seeing. Usually when the Braves offense goes off, it's all by way of the long ball. Well, the Braves scored seven runs in the sixth inning of this game without a single home run. Collected RBI from Travis Darno, Adam Duvall, Dansby Swanson, Ronald Acuna, and Matt Olson. Uh, the Mets played one in the sixth, but then Heredia comes back with a two-run homer in the eighth to ice it, and the Braves win 9-2, to two, splitting the series with the red-hot Mets. Uh, so this was the first series of the season that the Mets did not outright win, so that was nice. Oh, I can't uh, move on before I call this the Guillermo Heredia game. Oh, absolutely. This absolutely. was the Guillermo Heredia game. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely was. I think so. I think a, a split with the Mets at this point in the season was probably best case scenario in a four game set. I, I think is nothing to, to especially in those. Queens. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you were watching or listening to the first game of the series, but I I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by this anymore. We've been seeing the Braves play in in Queens for years, but good Lord, were the airplanes coming through really clear on the broadcast. I swear it gets worse. I I haven't been to that It gets worse every year. But like... (laughs) Eventually, they're just going to be landing 737s like on the warning track like i i understand that city field is extremely close to laguardia but i swear it's like every other pitch it's nothing but (laughs) well it's it's not just laguardia on the other end of queens you got jfk airports that have traffic going right over that stadium i mean it is and sometimes it's even worse on radio like, if you listen to the radio feed of a game at City Field, it is awful. I, I, it's been a while since I listened to a radio feed of a city game. I'll have to, I'll have to try that and see if I can pick them. It's like early, it, it, ugh. it's like listening to early episodes of the Chatting Average podcast mm. <laughs> because oh. your boy used to live right next to Peachtree DeCab Airport and, uh, and Jeff Donahue would be just joyriding his jet all through our broadcasts. 
Oh, I remember those days. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Good, good times. Good times. Hey, remember when we decided to start a baseball podcast during the middle of a pandemic and there was no <laughs> baseball? On? That was great. I thought we were going to have no baseball season two this year, but luckily we made it through that. Yep. Luckily, Manfred admitted his PP small, and so he decided to have baseball. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> all right so uh we were off on thursday but come home on friday the 6th to take on the brewers for a three-game set and it is hank aaron weekend in atlanta so in celebration of hank aaron you know both teams had to put their 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 horses on the mound for that first game their their studs their can't miss pitchers so who do the braves trot out there jesse chavez Detective Chavez, baby. He is on the case. On the case. (laughs) Jesse Chavez started going up against Eric Lauer for the Brewers. Uh, Chavez allowed a two-run double to Rowdy Telez and gets replaced by Strider to start the second inning. So uh, so Chavez's day was short-lived, but good Lord, Spencer Strider. Spencer went four innings, allowed four hits, no walks, Eight strikeouts, no runs, through 69 pitches. It's a really nice outing. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, It's got to be time to stretch this guy out and make him start, right? I I think so. And and part of me, part of me wants to say that, okay, well, if we had gone with the decision of starting Spencer in this game rather than Jesse, like, give Spencer the first inning, and just go for it, that maybe the outcome of this game would have been different. But I don't know if in good faith I can actually say that because that's not necessarily what lost us this game. It, yeah. Um. So, you know, following the, the train of thought with Spencer Strider possibly starting in the future, I, I've got the schedule pulled up in front of me, and I, I'm, I'm looking at it. You know, we have we have Monday off this week. We have Thursday off this week as well. So essentially, we're we're going to be running a, a four man rotation for for at least a turn and a half. the The next open date that we have with a without an announced starting pitcher is Tuesday, May seventeenth at Milwaukee. So I think if if the idea is to get Strider stretched out, maybe uh, I don't know if 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 we have. Kyle Wright or Ian Anderson falter a little bit against the Red Sox, maybe get Strider back in there to get him some long relief work. Uh, but that May 17th date may be something to look at as uh, as possibly seeing uh, a new face on the Hill to start the game. I mean, I wouldn't hate it, you know, and it's, it's early I enough. It. I want it so bad. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's early enough in the season that like, What's the worst that could happen? Experiment. Yeah. Try some things. You know, like this is this is the time where you try stuff. And yeah, the guy throws throws crazy gas, but he also doesn't look like he's out there straining to do it. No. So I, I, while and 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 he, you he, know, having a guy many... throwing one hundred plus and starting sounds like a risky endeavor. Like it, it's, it, it's not. I don't think it's a max effort, hundred miles an hour. If that makes sense. How, how many? How many innings did he pitch Friday night? Four. Okay. 
is it the end of the world if he gets you through four innings pitching like he like he is right now in a start? No. It, it, let, let, let me ask you a serious question. And Let's I mean, say, at, at 69 pitches in four innings, I, I, I would have felt all right giving him five. Well, I mean, he, he was getting a little gassed. Like, you, you could tell that, that that last inning that he pitched was a little laborsome. Um, he, he was missing his spot high. He was overthrowing a little bit. But, you know, if you got a guy like a Spencer Strider, let, let's say you've never seen him throw before, you know, at, at the major league level. But let's say he comes in very first start of his entire career and he gives you four shutout innings. But that's all he can give you. Are you happy with that? Absolutely. We have a bullpen okay. built to absorb five innings a game. Then yes, I, I I say you go for it. Like this is this is the time to try it. We are all in on Spencer Strider as a starter, and we hope that you'll be all in on a Spencer Strider T-shirt at teespring.com/store/slash/chatting/average/podcast. You boys got a mortgage to pay now. That was a good segue. Huh? I like it. <laughs> well, as fun as it was to uh, to talk about Strider, it is time to move on to the real highlight of the night. Ronald Acuna Jr. hits his <laughs> first home run of the season, a bomb to dead center field, 450 feet, and he hit the damn thing so hard that he fell over on his ass. Cam, were you? Were you watching that one? Did you see that play? I was. I was. Actually, at that point in the night, I was putting together my new TV stand. And so, yes, I was watching. And it was, oh, it was that's, tremendous. That's a, a beautiful play to, uh, to Chris in the new house with. Oh, for sure. For sure. I laughed. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. And the best part of it, I thought, was the clip. They got a camera on Ronald in the dugout afterwards watching the replay on an iPad of him falling down and just losing it laughing. Oh, yeah. Love it. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Strider and Acuna were the two bright spots to talk about. We did have a a, a Dansby Swanson solo home run in the eighth uh, that we don't want to gloss over, but uh, Tyler Matzik, Colin McHugh, and Jackson Stevens all struggled out of the bullpen, uh, and the Brewers end up taking the first game of the series six to three. So uh, got our backs against the wall a little bit here. Uh, we are only home for five games, so uh, it'd be really nice to take this Brewer series. Saturday, we get what has been the pitching matchup of the Braves season so far. It was Max Freed against Corbin Burns. And I recall telling you guys last week to tune in early because this might be a two-hour game, and uh, it wasn't much beyond that. It was it was just an unreal pitching performance from from both of them. Max Fried turned in seven innings, allowed four hits, one earned run on a uh, on a solo home run, and struck out eight. He did walk one batter, which ended his crazy streak of of not having any walks. Corbin Burns, meanwhile, went six innings, allowed six hits, two runs, one earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Ronald Acuna hit his second home run in as many days, this one going 420 feet to left center. Oh, Lordy. Oh, boy. And then he, and, and then the story of this game was the fact that he did the LeBron James celebration after the bat flip on his way to first base. LeBron James noticed it and shouted him out on Twitter, and Ronald, like I think any 20-something guy would at this point, 
absolutely freaked out about it. Oh, without a doubt. Like, yeah, it, that that was a really cool post game getting to see Ronald just kind of like fanboy out about the fact that LeBron, you know, tweeted about him, which is cool. I mean, you're talking about LeBron James, arguably the most the most famous sports figure in the entire world. Really, really neat. Um, so, yeah, the, this was one of those games where I think, you know, Max Freed's first couple of starts this season were a tad rough, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't exactly go the way you wanted to. And he's he has slowly picked up steam. And I've seen a few people out there say that the Saturday night game against the Brewers was the best game that the Braves have played all season long. And I I think that's a really fair argument. I think um, it's the second best game I've ever seen Max Fried pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was I, it was World Series game six and then it was this past Saturday. Yeah, I could I could absolutely agree with that. I, I would say that the Saturday night game against the Brewers is the best is the best all around game that the Braves ha- have played so far this season. Like defensively, offensively, on the mound, everything, like everything clicked for them and it showed just how good of a team they could be. I think that the Sunday game, which we're about to briefly get to, is a glimpse of what this team ultimately can be offensively. Absolutely. Like, you know, I I know we got a little bit of wrap-up left to do on Saturday game, but like I think between the Saturday and the Sunday game, I think we got a really good glimpse of where this team is heading and ultimately what this team is meant to be despite the slow first month, so to speak, which, you know, I think at this point you ought to be used to. Um, but here, here's what this team is really supposed to look and, like. And honestly, this is all I need right now. We are so early in the season. All I need is, is to see that it's in there, to see yeah. that this Braves team has that capability because as long as it's in there, I believe that they will find it by by June, July. Can, can, we, can, we, can we talk about a guy j- just for a minute? J- just, just, just for a moment. Any guy? Can I pick the guy? No, no oh. I, I, I've got one in mind already. I want to talk about Travis Darneau just for a second. Yes, please. Just, just for a brief moment. This guy. You're sure we're not talking about Johnny Bench? I don't know. Are we sure we're not talking about Pudge Rodriguez? I'm not sure. Because this dude is just DFA'd by a Mets team that was terrible. Yeah. Playing out of his absolute mind right now. Which, you know, yeah, sure, he's probably going to cool off at some point. But he had two. He had two thrown out batters on Saturday night. Two of them. All right, let me let me get back into the game a little bit okay, so we yeah, can yeah, uh, go, so we go, can go finish ahead. up with that part. Um, so, Braves took the early one nothing lead with the Acuna homer in the fifth. Ozzy Albie's tacked on an RBI in the sixth to make it two to nothing. Uh, Hunter Renfro hit that aforementioned solo homer against Freed in the seventh, and then Travis Darno comes in with an RBI in the eighth to make it a seven to one ball game. Kenley Jansen comes in for the save in the ninth and does allow a run to make it three to two. But with Rowdy Telez at the plate and a runner on first, strikes out Telez, and then Travis Darno throws out the runner stealing second to end the game. I can't 
Cam, I cannot tell you the last time I saw the Atlanta Braves strike him out, throw him out to win a game. So it okay. was it was absolutely electrifying. Okay, so so the strikeout was good enough, right? It feels like this entire sequence happened in slow motion almost. Because the, the strikeout was huge because Rowdy Telez is, is hot right now, right? And he he really didn't do too much to us against in this series other than in the Friday night game and his first at bat. But like this was one of those moments where I was just expecting him to hurt us almost because you know you've got Kenley Jansen who has been lights out pretty much the entire season but it was having a shaky outing this time and you know it was a one run lead at this point and the go ahead run at the plate in the form of the guy who is just hatter you know hotter than a cat on a tin roof right now like just a, a tough tough opponent so i'm so enveloped in in rowdy Tales striking out that I see Travis pop up to make the throw down to second. And mind you, the TV crew has kept the camera angle behind the second base back, second base back. I'm not even thinking about the fact that we have a chance at the runner. But then when Dansby catches the ball and the runner is not even at second yet, I literally screamed in my living room. <laughs> like, like I think I think the noise that I made when Dansby applied the tag was something like, oh. It was it was incredible, and, and like there was, they got him by a whisker too. But yeah. it, oh, man, can, just, can we can we talk about? Just, I, I, I'm going to pontificate on the strike him out, throw him out scenario. That like when it, yes, of course we want to shower love on on Travis Darnell, but okay when when a strike him out, throw him out happens against your team, I feel like it is one of the worst feelings in a baseball game that you've been experiencing. Like it is the it is like the most like emasculating thing that can happen to you, especially when it ends an inning. Right? Like you have one Absolutely. out you have one out, you have a runner on, you're trying to get something going, and then the guy at the plate strikes out and then your guy at first gets thrown out at second like a doofus. Like it feels like the worst thing ever. But let me tell you, when your team wins on a strike them out, throw them out Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I lost it. That was that was crazy. And actually, one more defensive gem from that game that I, I, I failed to mention before that. Uh, how about the run saving catch by Travis Demerit in left oh, field? Oh my god. I so you know, even even Eddie Rosario is gonna be out for a while yet. But even when he does come back, man, you've got to figure out a way to keep Travis up here if he's still producing like this, even defensively. Because in the past week and a half, you know, he's had some really good flashes at the play, but, like, defensively, this guy is just so solid. Like, you know, I think one of the biggest questions that we had coming into this season was how good is the Braves outfield defensively? Like we know this team's offensive firepower is there, but like defensively, how good are we left to right across the outfield? And I think a guy like Travis Demerit slots in so perfectly from a defensive standpoint. And let me tell you, Travis Demerit probably went what one for three today, one for four. Yeah. But if he's your nine hole hitter and he's going one for four for you in a game, 
but he's providing you above average defense out in left field. That's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Absolutely. I like having a really good defensive outfield. It's nice. <laughs> when when you know that, like, yeah, he may go one for four most games, you know, if he does get a base hit, but every now and then he's going to knock in a double or he might put one in the bleachers because he has some good little pop now and then. Like, that's fine for your nine-hole hitter. If Travis Demerit is our nine-hole hitter, we could do a whole lot worse. We can do a ton worse than that. Yeah, and so- And – uh, I, I want to bring it up just because I loved the comp so much. Uh, I think it was it was our friend Donna who who texted our group chat and and said, "Hey, is is anybody else getting Andrew McCutcheon vibes out of uh, out of Travis Demerit?" And I I love that comp. Yeah, yeah, I I, I could see it. I, just, I could absolutely just super see it. athletic can hit the ball any way he needs to hit the ball. Uh, can play defense out of his mind. Yeah, like like is is his high going to be as high as Andrew McCutcheon's was? Probably not. not probably but it doesn't not. need to be. Right, it doesn't have to be. Like a an above average defender, an average base hitter, and, you know, just a an all around solid baseball player who you can slot in somewhere between seven and nine in your batting order, and you're not losing anything. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I will take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So the Braves win 3-2, to two, even the series with the Brewers, and will try to take the series when they come back on Sunday. Well, Sunday came, and Charlie Morton was on the hill up against Aaron Ashby. The Braves struck early, plating four in the second inning on Contreras, Acuna, and Olsen RBIs, plus a wild pitch from Ashby. Duvall came in and hit a homer in the third. Acuna steals his fourth base of the season. William Contreras hits a three-run homer in the fifth. Charlie Morton starts looking like Charlie Morton again. Goes five innings, only allows two hits. He did walk three, but when you're only allowing two hits, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. He didn't allow a single earned run, struck out five, only thing that you can kind of say something about with Morton's start, 92 pitches in five innings. Uh, he was not the most economical pitcher today. Still looked like at times he was struggling to hit his spots, especially with his curveball, but it was there when he needed it. And he was he was getting swings and misses today that we weren't seeing him get in those last few starts. So so I think the the Sunday game against the Brewers is is a really good jumping off point for Charlie Morton to, to start turning his early start around. Yeah, this was, this was the exact start that that Charlie really needed. I mean, he had a, he had a tremendous start in his very first start back in uh, the second game of the season. But since then it's been so rocky for him, especially in the very first inning, but for him to go out and really just shove today and have a good start that we know he's capable of, no earned runs is the, is the biggest thing for me. That, you know, you went out there and, and I and, think... And d- don't get me wrong. He struggled some. Like, he, yes, he loaded yeah, the bases. It was a laborsome. Yeah, it was a laborsome start for sure. But he didn't at any point, especially like with bases loaded and what one out, like he never... He never tried to – I think a lot of times what you see, especially younger pitchers, 
you see bases get loaded or get into a bit of a jam and they start trying to groove pitches just so they can throw strikes because they're so afraid of walking walking another guy. And Charlie didn't do that. Like, he stuck to his stuff but was able to do it in such a convincing fashion. Like, he got, you know, Brewers hitters to chase. Uh, there, there was I, I remember there was like a three one count or a two two count or, or something, and he got he got the Brewers batter to chase a fastball high that was absolutely a ball, but he did not deter from what he knew the situation called for. He didn't try to groove a fastball right down Peachtree. He, he you know he he threw the appropriate pitch for that scenario and it worked out for him. And so I think for a guy like Charlie, who admittingly has said that he doesn't feel as sharp to this point in the season. I think for him to see that he can go to the pitches that should be thrown at that point, that's a big deal for him. Today was a huge start for Morton um, that he was able to find that success again. So hopefully that carries over into his next start. Um, We'll we'll get to it as as we wrap up the end of this game. But I have a few thoughts of like what we may be looking at moving forward. But yeah, heck of a day for Charlie. Really was. Braves end up winning nine to two. And I want to talk about Tyler Matzik for a second. Mm. He's been having a rough go of it. But guys, and 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 I'm I'm gonna tell everybody this, but I'm telling myself just as much as I'm telling everybody. If we can try to remember back to last year before the Braves started getting hot. Tyler Matzik wasn't the 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 legend that that he is to us now. And he certainly wasn't putting up numbers like his postseason throughout the regular season. So while it's been a little tough at times to watch Tyler Matzik this season, am I worried? No. No, because we know that when the lights shine the brightest, he's going to be at his absolute best. And we don't have any bright shining lights coming up for a few months. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to a uh, phantom aisle stint. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're that quite. I I don't know. You know, I I do wonder if, because I, I feel like it's just, it's just a little bit of a control thing. Like his stuff's still there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's definitely not my call to make, and I'm not the expert on this, but I do wonder if, like, you know, a, a week or so of just go clear the cobwebs. Like, just go take well, a and, and this week upcoming is going to be a, a, a relatively light week for the Braves, so hopefully that, that serves him well. Uh, he, like everybody else, is guaranteed at least two days off this week, and presumably he's not going to pitch in the other five games, all right. of the other five games at least. So uh, it'll be a lighter week for him, and we'll see if that helps him out a little bit or if maybe he needs to you know, go to the IL with general soreness. Yeah, could be. Never well, know. Speaking of this upcoming week, like we said, we've got Monday off, but then we've got a two-game set against the reeling Boston Red Sox. I don't know about you, Cam, but I'm not a huge fan of two-game sets against reeling teams. It's a trap. We were we were talking about this a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, off air, 
it kind of seems like the Braves, so far this season at least, have been playing to their level of competition. Yeah, so, I, I could agree with that. So it, it's it's hard to say what's going to happen in these games because when the Braves play teams that are on fire like the Dodgers and Mets, they're playing well. They're playing very well. They're hanging right there with those teams. But then you have series like like Texas, like uh, like Cincinnati, like Washington, like Miami, that you have no business losing, but you go out and lose anyway. Right. So I, I, I don't know what to expect out of this Boston series. The first game will be Tuesday the 10th uh, with Kyle Wright on the mound going up against Garrett Whitlock for the Red Sox. Wednesday, May 11th is also a 7:20 start. We've got Ian Anderson going up against Nate Avaldi. So uh, just two games against the Red Sox here. It'll be interesting to see what comes of that. We get Thursday off before we come right back on Friday and have our home series with the San Diego Padres. First game will be the 13th at 7:20 p.m. This is the uh, first Braves game of the year, maybe second, on Apple TV. We've got Max Freed going up against you, Darvish, both of whom have been pitching out of their minds. So that one's going to be a fun one to watch uh, if if you have access to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saturday the 14th, we come back uh, for another game against the Padres, a 4.05 start time. This one's going to be on FS1. Charlie Morton will be taking the mound up against Sean Manaya for the Padres. And then Sunday is going to be an especially interesting one. Sunday the 15th, we've got a game against the Padres that's going to be broadcast on Peacock. That's right. Catch your Braves on the cock at 11.35 a.m. That's right. I said it. 11.35 a.m. start time. Yeah. So I was so at the for house. people like me who are going to that game, I'll be getting up at 8.30 or 9 o'clock to go to a damn baseball game. <laughs> Well, so I, I didn't I didn't realize that that was that was really becoming a thing this year because uh, we we were hanging around the house today and, and we you know, stopped for a little bit and um, turned on TV and I scroll past NBC, which I guess I don't know, maybe if it's if it's on Peacock, it's also going to be broadcast on NBC's channel. I don't know. I don't anyway, know. anyway, I'm scrolling through the guide and at 1130, I see that the White Sox and Red Sox are about to play. At eleven thirty on a Sunday, and I'm like, "What is this?" Yeah, so truly bizarre. Anyway, well, that'll be a weird one. Um, and you know, we can't go into a San Diego Padres series without hearing from our official San Diego Padres correspondent, Mister Sam Near. He called in and left us a voicemail. Let's see what Sam's got to say about this series coming out. It's Sam Nair. Um, just calling in because my Padres are coming to Atlanta this coming weekend. So I just want to ask you guys, Nate Machado, are you scared of him right now? Right now, at this price point, he can hit. Also, I hear Caleb Wentz going to be in attendance. And you just hate for the Braves to choke in front of him. <laughs> that was well, okay. If there's one thing we love more than anything else here on the Chatting Average Podcast, it's inside jokes that half of our listeners aren't going to get. I was going to say, there, there we might love be like, it, what, three, three listeners that 
Actually, actually, we haven't made a TV show recommendation in a while. So let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. If you are a fan of sketch comedy at all, we highly recommend you go on Netflix and check out a show called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. It is (laughs) absolutely phenomenal. It's so good. And we'll give context to Sam's voicemail. It's so good. And, And the thing that cracks me up the most is that Sam and I had to work on you for like two months to actually get you to watch it. Well, it became a game at that point. You guys wanted me to watch the show so badly that I was having so much fun not watching the show and telling you guys that I wasn't watching the show. That's right. So so even funnier than that is that it was it was initially a group chat between you, Sam, and I that we have now, like, as soon as we figure out somebody else on the timeline has watched the show, we add them into this group on Twitter. <laughs> and that's all we send each other is, I think you should leave memes. And it's great. It's it's a fantastic show. Like if you, you got to be into wacky sketch comedy. And for those of you who who remember this show from, uh, I think, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, it reminds me a lot of Mr. Show with David yes. Cross and Bob Odenkirk. It is. Yes. It's it's the same kind of like every sketch has you going. What messed up human being came up with this? I would almost I would almost say, like, for a more modern comparison, I would say if if you watched Key and Peele, similar style of humor, but a little bit stupider and a little more bizarre. Yeah, a little more off the wall, for sure. But but there are so there are so many sketches on this show that are like genuinely smart, like it genuinely well-written sketches. But it's like it's to the point, like you mentioned, of who in the world thinks of this? <laughs> so so good. Like uh, like this will make no this will make zero sense to anyone who hasn't watched the show. Uh, the the fedora with safari flaps. <laughs> I, I literally I literally think that is the smartest sketch on that entire show because of the framing around it. But if you tried to describe it to somebody, they would never think it's funny. I'll I'll do my best to describe the the first sketch I saw that that got me hooked. Yes, uh, it was is, a guy is it one that, that was. Is it one that I've sent you? Uh, maybe. Okay. So the sketch begins with with a man conducting an interview inside of a coffee shop, <laughs> and the interview concludes, and uh, the character played by Tim Robinson, uh, who is being interviewed, gets up and walks away. Well, he goes to the door and pulls on it but the door is a push door so i think we've all been in a situation where we do something silly like that and we get embarrassed real quick but then we push the door and open well he was so embarrassed that he had to open the door and he's pulling this door to the point where beads of sweat are falling down his face and the frame of the door is starting to break off of the hinges and it is just the most painfully awkward, but also hilarious kind of thing. I I encourage you all to go, go check it out. I think, yeah, I think that that's a really good sketch. I think the best. It's a hot dog costume. Yes. Yeah. The hot, the hot dog costume sketch is the perfect introductory sketch. If you're going to watch the show. And and people will recognize it, too, because 
I think at this point, most people have seen the meme where we're all trying to look for the guy who did this with the guy in the hot dog costume. It's where that comes from. Yes. As always, today's episode of Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink's a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Uh, as we like to say, a rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out either online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K, spelled like sports drink, just without the vowels. Just make sure you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out here. But for now, for Cam, I'm Alex. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast, brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. 